Good evening, everyone. Good evening, good evening, and welcome back. Welcome back to another Porsche Cool Podcast, the podcast where we chat about, talk about all things Porsche. Um, I always enjoy this episode. This is the episode I do solo without Steve. Uh, Steve is my mate from Australia, Sydney, Australia. Steve has a 997.1 GT3, a very nice car. Uh, if you've been to the podcast before, you'll know that Friday's episode is the one where Steve and I have a little chat, have a little banter, have a little grumble every now and again. Uh, but basically, we just uh, share our love of Porsche and our enthusiasm for Porsche. We're not experts, we're enthusiasts. Uh, today's episode is Porsche Cooled Owner Stories. So welcome back if you've been here before. If you haven't been here before, um, thanks for joining the podcast. I think you will enjoy uh, this episode um, because it's for me, it's just it's just connecting with other Porsche owners around the world, and that's what I like about it. And I've had a lot of people uh, contact me in the past week. Um, I am kind of recording these in advance um, so that over January that you guys can have uh, an episode every Tuesday. Uh, but like I said, this is number 14. Well, I think I said it's number 14. And today I have got Todd coming on, and Todd is from the US. I, I, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure where Todd lives. Um Todd is on Instagram, but I'm going to talk about that when I introduce him. And he has got a very interesting project. Uh, he, this is a slightly different owner's stories today. Um, I might actually take it in a slightly different direction because let's just call it, it's a, it's a Porsche project that Todd has, and it's a pretty interesting one. So let me, uh, let me go on to Zoom because I think Todd will be waiting. It's almost, uh, it's almost on the hour when, I'm, when we're supposed to meet. Um, and we'll start talking uh, about his Porsche story. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Like I said, this is Owner Stories. Um, I've just connected, uh, as you know, we do these um, via Zoom. Uh, so I've got Todd with me today, and Todd is from the US. Todd is from Chicago, or near Chicago, we'll say. Uh, and Todd is also on Instagram, and his Instagram is um, Stone City Outlaw. <clears throat> so Stone under City. Uh, Stone under, underscore city underscore outlaw, sorry. Um, right. So how are you, Todd? Very good, very good. How are you, Michael? I'm well, I'm well. Thanks for, thanks. Um, thanks for taking the time out this morning and, uh, and, and coming on the podcast because I've been following you for some time uh, and you also are a um, Patreon for the podcast. You also support the Porsche School podcast, so I thank you for that. Um, right. And you've been there for a long time. I think we were one of the, the very first to actually um, to actually join uh, the Porsche Cooled Exclusive. And Todd has a very interesting project. Um, I'm going to let him tell you guys about it. Um, but basically, he has a Porsche, <laughs> right. a vintage right. Porsche, which he is right. making his own. He's making it better. Um, so before we actually before we get into the um, before we get into the what you have, and I mean it'll be in the title, so people will know anyway. But right. these uh, these Porsche Cool owner stories, you know, it's about everyone's story. Everyone has a different story to tell, and everyone's at a different stage, Todd, in the in the in their buying process or Porsche ownership. Some people have had one Porsche. Some people are this is their first Porsche. It's their second Porsche. So when did you start thinking about Porsche in general? Was it something that you've the car you have now, is this your first one or is this, is this, this, yeah, this is my first Porsche. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of times when all these other talks that you've had with other people, you usually, you know, one of the big questions that you always have and start out with this is, you know, when did your passion start and, and yes. what, what caused all this? And, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to, you know, it's, it's gotta be 
76, 77, sometime in that area, 1976, 1977, I had to be about uh, 11, 12 years old at the time. And in the town that I lived in, it was a, a smaller town, and there was a red 9-11 that used to run around town. And it said Carrera uh, on, on you know the bottom of the door and everything. And uh, it, it was driven by a, a very attractive blonde woman. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I always used to say, someday, someday, I, I, you know, I want to get that. You know, I want to get one as well. Um, I, I, I now have the Porsche, and I also have the, the blonde wife. So, uh, so you have I've, both. I've gotten, You've made it. That's it. I got, I got both of them, which uh, I always, you know, I always joke around. The worst thing about uh, the 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 woman in the nine eleven, uh, the license plates read was his. Oh really? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, of course, I was never able to follow up anything what that's about, and I, I don't know who it was that ever had the car. So, uh, but that was that was the thing that really uh, the first time I really started seeing the Porsches and had something that I would look at and and, and see and just think, man, that's a just an awesome car, and I'd love to have one of those. So the um, so the usual thing. Many years pass, many right. years go by, and, right. Then, right. and then it's still right. in your mind, and then you think, okay, this is it. I'm going to look for right. my first Porsche. Right. Well, I right, and I, you know, I mean, I've had had other uh, American muscle cars throughout the years that okay. I've, uh, you know, that I've purchased and built and worked on and everything like that. And then um, it wasn't. It was earlier this year. Uh, I had a uh, well. At the time, I had a, a 1972 Ford Mustang Mach One, okay. and uh, that was, you know, that was my current uh, car that I had. And then uh, I was I was meeting up with some friends one evening, uh, Saturday night, and I, I'm sitting waiting for them to show up. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting at a, at a bar waiting for them to show up at the restaurant, and I receive a text message from a friend of mine, uh, and he's a, he's a carpenter. And he was okay. off doing a side job at a house and he sends me this picture and you can see it on my Instagram. It's one of the first, uh, you know, pictures that are listed that are there on the Instagram page. And it says, Hey, do you know what this is? Okay. And, and it's the three fifty six. Yeah. In this garage with all kinds of, you know, garbage kind of piled over the top of it. So this, and, this was back in July, was it? This was the, I mean, the uh, first post. Actually, it was actually, I got the, that was back in beginning of, or in May, in May, beginning of May, that okay. uh, I, I I received this text message from my friend. And I said, wow, yeah, I, you know, I, obviously I knew what it was. And uh, so I, you know, I said, what's going on with it? You know, as a guy, you know, is he planning on restoring it? What's he going to do? And he said, he goes, no, he's actually just been sitting here for 43 years in the garage. So this is, um, so tell the listeners what it is. This is a, this is a, we'll call it a barn find. I guess it is a barn find, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would be classified that. It's a uh, 1957 Porsche 356A. Uh, and it's actually uh, a T1 if, if you know, if you oh, want to go out even further. It is a T1 by about 60 cars. Um, okay. My car was actually manufactured on September seventh of of fifty seven, and I think the uh, 
it was like September 20th is when they became the officially became a T2. Uh, from what I've been able to find out, you know, I could be. So your friend sent you the image of this car and you right. thought, you thought right. I've always wanted a 911, but maybe I'll take the 356 instead. Right. Well, it, well, for about the past year, I was actually looking for a 911. Okay. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's actually how I, I came across you, uh, you know, uh, initially, um, because I was looking at, uh, at, at 996s and I was looking at uh, 997s, trying to figure out, you know, okay. where my place was and uh, doing that research. And, you know, it's, uh, um, I, you know, like I said, I saw your videos and some of the things that you talked about with it and some other people and, um, uh, you know, one of them, and you've had as a guest, and I know he's a, a podcast listener, uh, James at yep. Auto Amateur. Yep, my I came James. A, I, right, I came across James, and I was watching his his videos and seeing what he was doing and learning. And you know, it was it was interesting. It was, the nice thing was is that he was previously a nine nine six owner and became a nine nine seven owner yes. before he's on to his nine nine one now. So um, I had a lot of questions for him. You know, yes. asking him and James and I are pretty close to the same size. Uh, he's a little bit bigger than me. He's six, six, uh, I'm six, five. Um, and, uh, you know, but you know, it's, he, you he, look, he was, you, and look, I, you look much slimmer than him, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, James. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't say that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, so I, I, you know, I had a lot of questions for him, and one of my uh, definite things on my list is I had to have a manual. Yes. And uh, James told me, Todd, he goes, the 996 is, is such a tight-fitting car for us bigger guys. He said, there's no way you can go with a manual. Uh, he, he said he had it, and he said it was absolutely horrible. Um, so, I, I, so I started switching to a 997. Looked for at a few 997s, actually, you know, came close to making a couple deals on them. They never worked out. And then all of a sudden I get this text message. Uh, so the 996s and 99s, the 997s you looked at, you went through the whole checks and you checked them out. You were almost at the point of buying or you were just sort of thinking maybe I want yeah, a 997. I, I, was, I was really close to, to buying one. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny when I went – to uh it was actually at a dealer and uh, not a Porsche dealer but just another dealer and when I was just getting ready to go ahead and make the offer after talking to him during the week yeah uh I contacted him and they said oh we sold it oh okay <laughs> so you missed out on it <laughs> so I just missed it uh which I you know I'm kind of happy about now I'm, I'm really happy with what yeah because everything then takes a left turn doesn't it so then we get the call yeah. from the friend about right. this 356 so right. what what do you do do you think i'm going to go out is it was it close to where you lived or was it quite a way away it wasn't that far it was about 25 minutes away from my house 20 minutes away so i was able to uh contact the owner uh, i you know i got the information from him on a saturday night on monday i told him uh you know tell the owner i'll, I'll contact them monday uh we talked monday i went out wednesday and i looked at it uh and started crawling through the car grabbing you know serial numbers off the uh, chassis, off the engine, you know, just, just everything that I needed and then just going through everything I can kind of look at on the car and not get, not look too overly excited. Uh, so, so this car had been sitting, the, the garage where you went to look at the car, it had been sitting in this garage for 43 years or it had just been sitting in general for 43 years? Well, um, 
I can go back to as far back in the history of the car I know. Okay. Um, in 1974, the car was purchased by uh, by by an individual in Chicago, okay. and I don't I don't know if it was if it was the father or the son who actually bought the car, but um, uh, I know the son was driving the car uh, just outside the city, yep. and uh, he started having mechanical problems with it and pulled it into the gas station, and you know. They were looked at the mechanic looked at it real quick and said, you know, I'm going to have to you know get into it. Uh, so the kid called his dad, told his dad what was going on, and the dad said, just get home, leave the car there. We'll you know we'll we'll get the work arranged later. Right. So that's what they did. The kid left it there, and so well, the uh, it was sitting at the shop for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, uh, the, you know, the mechanic had kind of looked into it and wasn't really sure what it was, but had, you know, kind of an idea. Uh, the father called back later on and basically said, look, we, we just want to get rid of the car. Um, so the mechanic and a buddy of his actually purchased the car. Okay. Uh, and back, and this is back in 1976. Right. Uh, so, you know, so the kid and the father had it for about two years when in this problem occurred. The mechanic and his friend bought the car in 1976. They got it running. They drove it around for the summer, and then they had another problem with it and parked it in the garage. And that's where you found and it? And that's pretty much been the story since then, yeah. Um, he did, he, you know, he, they, the mechanic did pull the engine out uh, and opened it up and took the heads off and the cylinders and looked and determined that, and it looked like there was a, a cracked piston in it. Um, didn't really do a whole lot of damage, but I'm, I'm really not sure, you know, what else was involved or the problem was, but, uh, it ended up sitting for 43 years. Um, it's crazy, isn't it? These stories, yeah. these barn find stories. I was watching something, <clears throat> I think it was on, um, Emmo, Emmo, the detailing guy. Larry. Yeah. Yeah. And I was watching Larry, something on yeah. his uh, channel the other day, and it was another similar similar story where the car is just oh it was a, it was actually a, um, a Datsun a Nissan two forty Z or two seventy Z I don't know whether you saw that video, yeah. and it was actually yes, literally sitting yes. there for that that long because there was a little bit of damage and the person took the bumper off and they just left it there for how many years? And it had, 40 it years. had no miles on it. It still yeah. had the original plastic on the inside of it. Yeah, yeah. and it's for sale yeah. on uh, Bring a Trailer, I think. Right. So right. when you so you go and look at this car. I'm, I'm really interested to know because do you do you have the knowledge yourself when you're checking it over from your ownership of cars in the past? How did you check out? How did you check the authenticity of this car? How did you find out the information you required before you bought um, this 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 three five six? Yeah. Well, um, you know, like I said, I I, I crawled. I, I went there. It was covered with all this stuff. It really wasn't, didn't have everything off of it. And on the inside of the car, the engine was actually inside the car, uh, in on the, on the floor really? where the, pa- yeah, where the passenger seat would be at. The seats had been unbolted and kind of stacked on top of each other on the driver's side. Um, you know, just, and inside the car was the engine block, half torn apart. There were buckets of the cylinders, the cylinder heads, the pistons, the carburetors. Everything was all inside there. So I'm like, okay, you know. So I I started, you know, before you know I got there, I had already, you know, 
had a little bit of knowledge of the car. Um, and I started researching online real quick, you know, what, what are the problem areas? What do you want to look at? What do you want to check out? What do you, you know, what's important and everything. So I kind of had this mental checklist, uh, of everything I kind of wanted to go through and look at. And, you know, so I, you know, I went through it, I looked at it, I wrote down numbers on everything. And, uh, actually, and what the, what the guy told me, he said it was a 1956. Okay. And then, uh, and so then when I came home and I started researching the car, looking into it, uh, the serial number kept coming up as a 1957. Okay. And, uh, and, and up until the day I pulled it out of the driveway and he actually handed me the title that says 57, he called it a 56. <laughs> right. So you, so where do you get, so, so did you contact Porsche or did you go onto 356 registry or how do you, how do you get that information for something that is so old and it's been sitting for so long? Um, you know, there are just different websites of, uh, uh, I think it's 356a.com was one that I ran a bunch of numbers on, the, the chassis number, the engine number, things like that. I did reach out to a couple other individuals. Uh, uh, I, I guess uh, I did reach out to Rod Emery. Okay. Uh, and uh, I sent him some pictures and said, hey, I, I found this car and, and everything like that. And he's like, wow. You know, he's like, you know, great and, you know, and everything. And he, he offered to buy the car off me. He told me, go buy it. And I was going to say that. Yeah. I, yeah. Aren't you worried when you, when you give people like that, oh. <laughs> the, the idea that this car is sitting somewhere that, that they, they will buy it off you, they will buy it before you get there? I was petrified. I was petrified that. Uh, I mean, I went, you know, I, I went to a Porsche Club of America, the Chicago chapter uh, uh, meetup once, and I started talking to a, a 356 owner there. And, you know, him and then other people, they'd always ask me, oh, where's it at? And I'd go, within an hour of my house. Yeah, yeah. You've <laughs> got to keep that secret for sure, for sure. description I'd give. So, um, so I talked to Rod and I talked to a couple of other people uh, and, and found out and, you know, Found out that I was actually, you know, I had a really good find. Um, the body, the body's in really good shape. Uh, it, it does have its, you know, some little minor rust issues uh, on the on the outside exterior of the body. Um, it's uh, got some other issues underneath that I'm addressing, and you know, I can talk about in a minute where I'm at on the build. Um, but yeah, so it's and yeah. So the main but, the main thing with three five sixes is rust, isn't it? There is a big three five sixes tend to be prone to a lot yeah, of rust because, in that, that, that was, time. Yeah, because not right. you know. because the steel wasn't treated or anything. It wasn't galvanized or, or nothing was never done to them. So it's it is something you have to watch for. And luckily, you know, it, it sat in a pretty dry garage, you know, it's uh and, and didn't get out. But like I said, it, it does have its a few issues. But but so the car I, the the car sorry uh sorry Todd. Mm-hmm. The car's no. been a pretty much a Chicago car then all of its life. It's been in the Chicago area all of its life. From what I can find out so far, yes. I have been trying to see if somehow I can track down the pre the you know the the the, the furthest back owner that I've I've been able to find. I haven't had any luck on that yet. Uh I'd like to ask him some questions. Um and I have not gotten the Cardex uh yet. Okay. Um, but I did get uh you know uh the you know from for Porsche the, the specifics on the car that they had. Okay, so on that, on the um, certificate of authenticity, or is that what you received from Porsche? Yes, something yeah. similar to that. So, what did right. that actually have on it? What was it delivered 
was it delivered with any? I mean, there was very few options at that stage, but it's a silver only, car, correct? Is it silver? Yes, it is a silver car originally. Um, it was resprayed at some point, and you know, some stuff back in you know late sixties, early seventies. Okay, um, but it, it the only options it came with was it said the sealed headlights. Yes, uh, the USA bumper. Yes, and the uh, the the mirror for you know, on the side, yep. Uh, yep. for the driver's side. And, and that was it. That's all it says on there really for options. Um, but it's a, it's a 1600 S, uh, you know, car. So, um, I've got that now the going through the numbers that I pulled, uh, and everything off the chassis and, and, uh, off the engine and everything like that, I did find out it is not a matching numbers car. Um, it's not so, a matching numbers it, car. So what? No. So something happened pre seventies that made it not matching. You think is that where the right, right, right? Because the engine is a uh, sixty three. It's out of a nineteen sixty three uh, three fifty six. It says, and it is a sixteen hundred S also. So, but that was quite common, wasn't it? I mean, I remember actually. I think it was Rod Emery I was listening to on. I think either Spike or Matt Farah, and he was saying that that was quite common at that period where engines would actually get swapped out. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I've heard that too. Instead so of a, fixing it, they just swap out the engine. And, and 60s, 911s, you know, 356s, it was kind of a common thing. It wasn't uncommon. Does that... Did, right. So when you purchased the car, you thought it was matching numbers or you didn't think it was no, matching numbers? No, no. I knew it. I knew it after that first day I was there and I came home and did research. And that was part of the stuff. You know, I mean, that's when, he, you know, previous owner that I bought it from was telling me it was a 1956 car. And I'm like, no, it's a 1957 car. Okay. Um, and then I, and I said, you know, the, the, it's not the original engine in it. And he was saying, yeah, it is. And I'm like, no. And I gave him, I said, look, you know, this is the serial numbers here. And they told him where you can go and a couple different places you can check. And, you know, which was fine. It's, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't bother me really. You know, I wasn't, you know, um, so, it, it does. Yeah. So when you went to the, when you went to this garage, the, the engines on the seat. So the people that had it in that garage were, someone was thinking of, repairing it right they've took they've taken the engine out they've dropped the engine out and they're thinking well they, they were probably going to do something to it but was the engine in a mess now that you've actually had time we'll get onto that actually but is, is it was right. it in a mess when you actually had time to look through it yeah it's, it's got a couple of things in it that you know i needed to have addressed in my you know in what i yes i did need to address them okay okay so, so you 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 get this car you do the deal mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Well, that and, well, the thing is, it then it took me. It wasn't until July that I actually got the car because in June I talked to him and he was away. And when he came back in July, uh, he came back uh, on July twenty first. I turned fifty five, and I went and I picked this car up July twenty second. So. Happy 55th birthday to me. <laughs> That's a great present. That's a great present. <laughs> right, right, right. So I, I went and I picked it up and I brought it home. Yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, so you, you bring it home. Uh, I'm really interested in, in a few things here because I've, you know, I've, okay. I've seen your Instagram and I've seen the photos. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm interested in, first, uh, have you done this sort of restoration before? Have you done restoration on vintage cars, classic cars before? Because it seems from your Instagram that you actually have had some experience. A little bit, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll never, you know, I don't do it as a profession or anything like that. You know, it's just, I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, since I was a kid, 
uh, my, my first car I ever bought was with me and two of my buddies. I was 14 years old and we bought a 72 Toyota Celica that, uh, supposedly had a cracked head on it and we bought it and ended up finding out it was just a head gasket. We swapped it out and we started driving the thing, you know, two years before I even had my license, we were running up and down the street in it. So ever since then, I always started working on cars, um, you know, building engines, you know, but it's always been the bigger V8 American made engines. Okay. So you've got the experience with rebuilding engines, Um, right? The three, five, six engine being (laughs) Volkswagen origins is quite an easy engine to work on. Is that correct or not? I mean, I'm only going, I I don't know a lot about three, five, sixes. So you have to, you have to invite me here. Well, we're, we're, we're not that far apart. (laughs) Okay. So I've never really done a Volkswagen engine or anything like that, but I do have, uh, you know, uh, I do have a, a friend here that I've known for you know over 35 years um, that lives you know 10 minutes from my house. That he in the past has had a 914. Uh, he's had uh, a handful of different VWs. He's got a 62 Carmen Ghia right now. He's got okay. a, a 57 Beetle. He's doing so. Yep. He's, he's always done it. So I can go to him and I can say, look, this is what I'm working on and this is what I'm doing, and he's been able to help me out. You know. Uh, with some specialty tools I've needed uh, and everything like the process the process for the restoration so you have mm-hmm. in your mind when you you bring this car back home um, mm-hmm. you, you see what you have you see what you've bought I guess you bought it at a I'm still thinking the and I don't want you to divulge the price but I'm still thinking that the price would have been reasonably high because well not even restored examples of the 356a are going for a lot of money aren't they? Yeah. They are really going for yeah. a lot of money. I mean, I, I I did have a quick look before I came on to the podcast with you. And there's some in the UK that are selling for £100,000, but then there's another one for £250,000. Yeah. And then there's a, then there's a you know, just like a rusted version oh. at Beverly Hills Car Club for 50000 US. So right. before you even start, you know, there, it is quite a big outlay. And then, <laughs> then you've got to have your plan, your budget. And I'm guessing you are working uh, to a budget, Todd, but... Yeah. What is your plan for the restoration? So do you okay. are you just tackling different things at the same time or have you got okay I'm going to do the engine first and then I'm going to do the body or are you just working on things that you can you can tackle at that time? Right. Right. Well, it, I did right. I did purchase a car at an extremely great price. Okay. Uh you know, I I will start with that. So I mean, there are still things out there in, in you know, real quick. You know, everybody always asks, how did you find this car? How have I found other cars or anything like that? Um, You know, my friend, he was a a carpenter, and he goes around other people's houses, and he does work. So he sees things. The best person to ever find, to know, to help you find something that you're looking (laughs) for – is a delivery is a delivery man a UPS driver or you know DHL or FedEx or somebody like they know where everything's at so uh, you know that's that would be my biggest tip I'd tell everybody uh, if they want to look for something start asking their friends that are drivers or or their their local driver but in the US um, though in the US though there seems to be still a large supply of these cars that people are just finding you know what I mean you know, I mean I watch and, the YouTube videos as well and they're just people just seem to come across them all the time. When does it end? Right. I tell you what, and, and I just found something this week and I, I'm, I was going crazy saying I should buy this. I should buy this, but I would get so much in trouble here at home. Probably if I come <laughs> home with another car. Um, what um, was it? Found, what was it, Todd? You got to tell us I, now. I found a 1973 
914 that's been in a garage for 25 years. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's it looks in really good shape from what I've been able to see f- so far. I've put a friend of mine in, in trying to, you know, you know, in contact with the information of the seller, and hopefully they're able. He's going to be able to get a hold of and work out a deal. Uh, I might know more on Friday about that, but it's 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 a neat car, you know. I mean, obviously it's, it's a nine fourteen. Some people don't like the nine fourteens. They you know you know, but you know, a Porsche four, is a Porsche. Four cylinder, Todd, or a six cylinder? Yeah. Oh, it's a four cylinder. Four yeah, cylinder. Four cylinder. Yeah, yeah. If it was if it was a six cylinder, I'd. <laughs> I would be all over it. <laughs> but even even the four cylinders now, they're um, the prices yeah. are just going up really, really quickly. I mean, you know, I look at nine twelves, and you know, even from the yeah. beginning of the year to now, the prices yeah. have just have just gone crazy. They really yeah. have. They have been yeah. rising really, really quickly, and it's it's Rapid, a bit scary. Rapidly, yep. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm trying. I, I know I, I went off track. There, I'm trying to remember what we were. Where we were the restoration, pro, the, the restoration, restoration process. process. Right. Yeah. Process. So what what I did is uh, I bring it home, and the first thing I do, I want to you know empty everything out of the inside of the car. Um, so I, I pull the engine out, you know, and the, and the boxes and the buckets of stuff that was in there, and you know the the owner swore to me. He said everything is here. Absolutely everything is here, and really it looks like everything is here so far. Um, um, I pull the seats out, uh, the, the, the seats, the leather on the seats and the dashboard is just in great shape, you know, and I, I condition that stuff and everything like that. I've got them stored up above all covered and everything's nice. But then I took the engine and my buddy, John, that I mentioned earlier, the Volkswagen guy, he had an engine stand for me. So I, I grabbed his engine stand, we put it on there yep. and, uh, everything. And the first thing I did is I took the heads over to the, the town that's next to where I'm living at now, over to the town that I actually grew up in. Yes. And there's a gentleman there in that town. And he, he he's from Germany, and he came here in 1982, I think. And he came here, and he's a machinist. And he's semi-retired now, and he meets by appointment only. But all he does are Porsche heads. That's okay. all he does. And, uh, so I went over to him and I, I, I actually took the whole engine, everything over to him. And I said, look, I want you to look at this stuff. And he looked at it and he goes, okay, great. He goes, all I want to do are the heads though. And I go, okay. You know, so I gave him the heads and, uh, I said, you know, just, I want you to go through them, see if the guides are okay, you know, do a valve job, you know, clean them up, you know, just, and he's like, great. He goes, so that's fine. So he's got those. And then I come home and I start working and, the engine and taking it apart and everything. And I, you know, it's a three piece case and it was a little bit of a struggle to get it apart. And I, you know, I don't want to pry on it because it's aluminum or anything like that. And I, I finally get it open and, uh, I start, you know, I look in it and I I pull the crank out of it and on the backside of the bearings is a dowel pin that goes from the case into the bottom of the pin to hold in place. And those dowel pins uh, weren't seated properly and it caused some damage in the, in the, in the journals there and everything like that. So I knew, you know, right away, okay, I'm going to have to have this block, you know, the engine case machined. Yep. Um, I call the, my engine, uh, my, the guy that has the heads and, uh, his, his name's Wally and, uh, Wally Warner and, uh, is his, his, and his company's, uh, I called him and told him what I found. And I said, who in the area can I get to uh, machine this? And he said, absolutely nobody. 
Oh, really? <laughs> and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So he said, I go, well, what do I need to do? So then he told me to call the guys down at LN Engineering. Oh, okay? really? Now, okay. LN Engineering is about 40 minutes from my house. Right. They're, they're really close. They're here in, in uh, Illinois, uh, just south of Chicago, about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, so I called those guys down there, and I'd already talked to them a few times about some things. Yep. Uh, and uh, told them what was going on and what I found. And uh, I said, who can I send it to? And they said, well we'll recommend one guy and he's done two of our personal engines already this year. And I said, well, what better validation could I have? You know? Um, and the guy is, uh, Walt and he's at, uh, competition, competition engineering out in Lake Isabella, California. Okay. And, uh, you know, they've, they've got a long history of doing three, five, sixes from when his uncle started the company and now he he's taken it over. It's his business now that he runs. Um, so will he do other work for you as well? Will these people do other work for you that you need done? Now you've found these guys that, that are specialists in 356? Yes. So what I did is I talked to Walt, told him what was going on, what I found, everything like that. He said, fine, send me the engine. And I was so scared to pack up this engine and ship it across country. Uh, you know, it's not knowing what's going to happen or anything like that. So I ended up packing it up into three different boxes the case and everything in one box, the crank and rods in another box and, you know, just everything. And then the third box. And I sent it out to him, uh, heavily insured, heavily insured. Right. Yeah. Uh, it gets out there. He looks at it and says, all right. Yeah. He's, and he, so he looks at it and we talked uh, about what needs to be done. It's, you know, it's going to be, and what has already been done to the engine, uh, it had been machined and stuff at one point, probably back again in the early seventies or something. Yes. But he, but he said it was a he said it was a decent engine. He said it was definitely something that we could be worked with. So, um, so he the, still has. Sorry, Todd. He still has the yeah. engine now. He's still working on the engine for you now. Yes. Yeah. He he still has it. He's uh, doing a, a line bore on the on the case. Uh, he's uh, you know just taking care of all this stuff. I'm you know going to be the what we end up finding out is that there was a a you know the faintest of a crack in the crank unfortunately yep so the crank has got to be replaced so i'm, I'm going to get a new crank for that uh i'm going to put new rods in it i'm putting uh it had 86 millimeter uh cylinders and pistons already in it so it was upgraded from the uh like it was 82 i think it is is stock so it went from a 1600 to i think it's geez i, I think it's close to 1800 maybe or okay. 1775 cc engine so okay i'm i am putting uh different you know teflon coated pistons in it cylinders uh i'm gonna put a torque cam in it just to give it a little bit of oomph to it so is this is this where you're putting most of your budget are you are you allocating yeah. i mean i guess you have to for the engine in general anyway with yeah Right. So you're putting yeah. a lot of your budget into the in getting the engine perfect. So you are Correct. you getting it done? So <clears throat> is it about having more power, or is it about having reliability? Is there a balance um, there between the two with with this, yes with this definitely process? Both, both uh, reliability. You know, newer you know parts, uh, stuff that hasn't been in you know in there since 1963 or anything like that. Um, just you know upgrades that and then also it is for some performance uh um, you know it's the you know i i l- listen to your podcast you know with uh, mark 
uh, earlier t- uh, today. Yes, this morning, I was, was going to bring that up actually with Mark. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I've I've been I've watched his videos. Uh, you know, and like you said, you know, these these engines that come out, they're like sixty horsepower. There, there's there's not a whole lot there. And then I think he said, but when he dynoed his, he had like thirty seven to the wheels. Thirty six or, or thirty seven to the wheels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, what what I wanted to do is I wanted to you know. What I'm hoping for and what I should be able to obtain is roughly 100 horsepower out of the engine. Um, okay, so that's quite, that's quite powerful then. What is the, the weight? Bit, yeah. Isn't that quite – the weight – the car's very light, right, from what Mark told me about his as well. I don't know right. about they're, 356s, but they're quite light, yeah? They're about uh, just over 1,800 pounds. 1,800 pounds, okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, – I just want to. Yeah, mm-hmm. go on. No, go the, ahead. The uh, the cam I'm going to put in it. You know, like I said, I'm not. I'm not going. I don't want to go crazy. You know, I, I I'm I'm going. I'm bumping up the compression in, on the in the cylinders from like eight and a half to about nine and a half. And the t- the cam I'm going to have installed in it is just it's a torque cam. It's not a real high performance cam, but okay. it's it's kind of like in the middle of the road. And what it's going to do that's going to move the performance down in the RPM range. Okay, uh, because I'm not going to, you know, um, when I was talking with Walt and some of the things I've read, I'm, I don't need a cam that's going to be performing at the top end of the RPM range. Um, you know, I want, I want something that I can use for running around on the, you know, narrow twisty roads of, you know, as, as we always call them and, and things like that and, and, and short stuff. Okay. So the, <clears throat> the engine's going to, it's going to drain some money from you. That's getting yeah. done now. That's going to be pretty yeah. exciting when it's done, though. Well, how long are they estimating for that to be all finished for the engine um, side of it? Well, I'm going to be getting it back in late January, February, sometime is what you know what we talked about. Um, and the the problem is is that I shouldn't say a problem, but uh, I talked talk to him about machining all these stuff all these parts, getting everything ready, you know, the lifters and machining all that stuff and, and, you know, making sure all the journals, everything's fine. Everything's perfect in it. Okay. And then I said, okay, what is it for you to assemble it? And he shot me a figure on that, which about almost doubled the budget. Right. And, and he said, he goes, and I'm at least 10 months away from, you know, doing a build. He said, cause he's, he's the only one in his shop that he, that builds the engines. Okay. You know, that, and, uh, so I was like, okay, send it to me. He goes, he goes, you'll have no problem. He goes with the experience that you have and what you've talked about. And I told him about my friend, that's the VW guy yes. that's built yes. VW engines. He said, you guys will have no problem. And he goes, and I'm accessible. If you have any questions, you know, okay. we need to face them. So I, I'm pretty confident with that. He sounds you know, like a nice guy then. He sounds like a helpful guy. So then you extremely, extremely. Oh, that, that's helpful. great. So, and with your friend, you can do it yourself. So you save some money and you save time, which is more important. Right. You want to get the car exactly. on the road, right? You want to be right. able to drive it as soon as possible. So I was going to go back to your seats, actually, the interior. Um, right, right. I did right. notice that on your Instagram a while back that the, I think when you did the seats and you cleaned them up, they looked right. immaculate. They looked like yeah. they looked Don't in, they? They're in such great yeah. condition. You know what I mean? Right. For, right. for that age, you know, you look at that. And then also the dash and that I could see that it actually looked like it was, um, it was pretty perfect. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So then, you, so then you do the engine when it's going to come back in January and you're going to rebuild it. So that's going to take you... How long is that going to take you and your friend to, to complete it, you think? Um, 
few months? I don't know. I, I, yeah, maybe a month. Maybe a month. Depends on how hard we work and how quickly. And the thing is, I am not going to be in a rush or quick about doing it. You know, I, yeah. I want to be very slow and methodical. And you know, uh, I, 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 you know, the old tortoise and the hare story, right? Yeah. So, I just I want to get it done right. Uh, so, you know, my my goal, my end all goal is to be done uh, in on the road end of April you know, May ready for the uh, summer. It, yeah. Ready for the summer. Um, so the interior, so you, <laughs> the engine sounds like you've got that sorted. I mean, there's still a lot of work right. to do, right? But actually the body let's, let's go to the body side of it. Mm-hmm. Are you going with the front bumper? Are you leaving the front bumper on or the front bumper off? Um, I like it off <laughs> personally. I think it looks better off, but I, I, I did see you, that post I, as well. I, uh, I, I am, I am an outlaw and I am, I, I, I want to remove the front bumper and the okay. rear bumper. Um, I tell you, it's one thing when I first brought the car home, uh, I posted it on different, uh, forums, chat groups, you know, friend pages and everything like that on Facebook and on the internet. And, you know, everybody in the world came out and had comments about what I need to do, you know, from, you know, don't touch a thing, you know, keep the patina to make it a concourse restoration and everything else like that. And, uh, you know, it's with some of these concourse restorations, I mean, you put in three times as much as what the car is actually worth. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, but but I've, I've always, I've always been a guy that, uh, makes a car my own. So, and that's what I'll do with this. Yeah. So you're not going to make it, you're going to make it slightly outlawish, right? You're going to make it slightly have a little bit, it's going to have a little bit of an edge to it. Correct. That's the way I see it. Right. The bumper, I took the bumpers off and if you notice on the pictures, there is no hood handle or emblem, you know, on the the hood. That was actually taken off and shaved off, uh, you know, at some point. Um, so, and like I said, it was repainted. It was sprayed, I don't know, early seventies, late sixties. And it was, it was painted again, the silver color, but, it's not the greatest paint job, but it's all like frosted over and, and yes. everything else. It's, it's worn. Um, so which, do you, you have a good body shop where you live or are you going to do it yourself? Are you going to do the rust? Are you going to work on the rust yourself? Are you going to work on the body yourself? Or are you actually going to get a shop to do it? Uh, I'm, I'm all about doing things for myself. You're going to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's, if, you know, like I said, the body, you know, exterior, everything looks really great. You know, there's a couple spots on, you know, the bottom of the door. It's just surfaced. Uh, you know, I can knock that down, uh, on the rocker panels. There's a few spots on those. Um, but for the most part, everything that you see on the outside of the car, it looks, it looks fairly decent. Uh, but again, but like I said, it looks like the car never been waxed and set out and everything like that, which, also is a little bit of appealing to me that patina look. Um, and so right now real quick in a a short thing, my, my, my thing is, is drivetrain, you know, brakes and making sure that those, the drivetrain and brakes are solid and everything's fine. And then, you know, a nice interior, it's going to be comfortable. And then the outside, I kind of want to preserve that patina right now, maybe for a year or two, you know, and then I'll change my mind and I can go ahead and do something. You know. I think that I think that'll look good. I can see you've been buying parts. So is that one of your is that like a regular thing now where you're online searching for uh three, five, six parts? Are you going yeah. are you going to are you going to Porsche yeah. or are you going to Stoddards or are you going to where are I, you 
where are you thinking about getting the the parts that you need? Like, do you need to do redo the carpets and do you need to redo parts of the yeah. interior? The, the carpet I took out, the carpet that was in there was just really bad and falling apart. Um, I did pull all that out. I still have it in case I need to re- do a reference back to it. But I have looked at Auto, Auto uh, International. I've had a few you know, people tell me, you know, that that's a really good place to go with. Uh, I've seen, I think it's called Mike's Restoration, which is a guy that's building oh, a... Uh, yes, yes. He's, he's he's incredible. That guy is just so meticulous on things. And there's a real good uh, uh, series of him, you know, doing, you know, his cars, sound deadening and carpet and everything like that. And so I've contacted Auto International. I've talked to them about, you know, what I want to do and, and everything. So I haven't ordered anything yet, but I will, you know, I'll probably order new carpet from there. So I think with, you know, the newer carpet and the condition of those seats and everything, uh, you know, I think it's, it'll be pretty decent on the inside. So what other parts do you need to buy? You have to buy quite a lot. So the suspension, have you worked out what you're going to do with the suspension side of it? Have you worked out all the, the tires and everything like that and the wheels? I, 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 I want to keep the, the wheels in the, in, the, in the look that it has on it now. Okay. Um, the tires, I'll definitely have to, you know, get new tires on it and everything. You know, I'll, you know, get, you know, what I can in there. Uh, it's, it's, you know, what I can get to fit on those rims and, and it's underneath there. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll get, uh, the suspension wise, I haven't really torn into it a whole lot on the front end at all. Uh, the rear end, I pulled the axles out and the, and the trans out. I've cleaned those up, uh, you know, shocks. I don't know if I'll go with like a KW shock or, or, you know, some, you know, I'll definitely want to make sure that, you know, I improve the ride and I don't have any kind of sway in it or anything like that. And I probably will do a little bit of lowering in it, which you can just okay. adjust with the, uh, with the torque or the torsion tubes. Okay. Torsion so bars. I just want to say to the listeners while we're talking, and I should have mentioned it again if, if you didn't hear me the mm-hmm. first time, but it's Stone City Outlaw. So it's Stone under City, Stone underscore City underscore Outlaw. Um, right. on Instagram. So check that out because Todd's got a lot of, uh, he's got quite a few photos on there about it. I have to say, I'm looking at a picture that you just posted on in October with the, with the axle and sitting on a piece of wood. The car looks really good as it is. It looks, it looks very, very cool. It looks very, yeah. very cool, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got thanks. A, so what is the difference? Let's just go, I want to go back to the, the thing about Mark's um, story because he was the first person I've had on that's had a 356, so you're the, you're the second. Okay. Um, okay. And I'm interested in 356s because, I, like I said, I don't have a lot of knowledge about them. So is there a big difference between his C and your A? Well, um, there, there is a little bit. Is his a C or a B? I think. Oh, B. Sorry, B, B, B. Right. B. Yeah, okay. He's a B. You know, there are some differences. Uh, you know, I, you know, I think he and he talked about it. You know, the rear window uh, on mine's going to be a little bit smaller than on his. Uh, the um, on the rear deck lid, there's that grate. There's that grill that's back there. Um, that you know, it's either a single or a, a dual. Uh, grill that's on the back of it. What is yours? Is yours single or dual? Mine's single. Mine's single. And it actually has, and mine actually has the smaller, uh, like luggage rack on the back of it too. Oh, that's right. I noticed that. That was pretty cool how it came with that. Is that the original, original rack? I, I I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's, but I think it's cool. I, I I like it. You know, it's, uh, I think it, you know, adds to it. Like I said, I've always, you know, 
I always like to make things my own, a little bit yeah. different. So it's I'll, I'll probably definitely keep that on there. Uh, no, I think you should definitely keep that on there. I know Ashmal, yeah. who's been on a previous owner's stories, who yeah. from the UK yeah. has the nine twelve. He's searching for a, a for the roof rack at the moment. He wants one for his nine twelve, but they're quite expensive. The the you know yeah, the they are. replica. Yeah. They're replica, but they're still quite sure. expensive. But um, sure, it looks good. But yeah, you know it's uh, you know I, it's it's funny because like. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit before about the correlation with Volkswagen and these cars. And, you know, when I was taking the engine apart and I pull off the front of the case, there's a, there's a gear, uh, you have your, your, the gear that drives the distributor. And then you have the gear that drives the, the timing chain and gear on yes. there. And there's a bushing in between there and it's stamped VW. Oh, really? it's in, yeah it's inside the engine and then you'll see on my car how it's got the covers uh the uh over the headlights the stone yes. guards yes and if you take one of those off and you look at the bottom of it it's stamped vw, it's on VW the bottom as well of it. so it's there it's yeah. just it's slightly hidden but it is it's actually there. still there yeah yeah so and the does, steering wheel the steering wheel is original the steering wheel is original right yeah. yeah so what is that what is the material of that steering wheel i can't see from the photo that's not wood though is it no, it's not wood. It's, you know, I don't know. It's some kind of hard, you know, composite. Uh, yeah, composite that they, that they used back then. And, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I, I tell you, I, I haven't been, you know, this happy about, you know, purchase on something that's creating me so much work, but, uh, it's funny. I always call it, uh, I call you know, my garage time. I call it therapy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, it is, isn't it? And, yeah, it is. Yeah. So yeah. has it been, is it what you expected though, Todd? Is it, has it been harder than what you expected? Like when you picked it up, do you think, oh, it's not going to be that difficult? Is it been easier or has it been harder? Um, it's, I would say it's probably about what I expected. And usually what I always expect is it to be like a rotten egg whenever I've gotten into something. You know, it looks nice on the outside, but once you crack it open, you know, you're finding all kinds of stuff. Which, and, is, what, you know, which is what you've been and, finding, yeah. Which, which I did find with the engine, which I was, you know, I'm, I'm fine with. And, uh, one of the crazy things that was done to this car, uh, that I'm, I'm dealing with right now was that it's again, in its history, at some point, somebody, uh, did some kind of restoration, some kind of work on it. And they seemed like they tried to put some kind of undercoating on it. Okay. And they, they lined a bunch of the underside of the car with fiberglass. Oh, really? Yeah, and they, they glued it on to the bottom. So I've been pulling that off, uh, which is a little bit of a chore. But it, it's it's come off. I've got most of it off now. And one of the worst things... There's no rust in the floor, right? There's not that much rust in the floor. It didn't look like... Uh, not that? much that I saw, but I'm finding more now. Um, and one of the worst things is about you know, a lot of the sound deadening material or uh, the the you know, the underneath undercoating and stuff like that is that a lot of time it traps moisture between the metal and the undercoating or under between the sound deadening and, and the metal. And it actually makes it worse. Oh, okay. Uh, especially on these cars where the metal's not treated. So I'm pulling it down and I'm finding some spots where I'm going, yeah, I can fix that. Yeah, I can fix that. Yeah, I can fix that. And actually what I'm thinking about now, I was looking at uh, restoration design, Yep. Uh, dot com. Uh, I've been looking and I've talked to them about some things and I might just end up buying a whole new uh, floor pan and just putting an all new floor pan in it just to, 
you know, like my buddy John says, VW John told me, he says, hey, it's like a bad tooth. You know, just pull it. <laughs> just to pull it out and just to replace it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. do you think this, so is this the start of doing more Porsche restorations? Is this the start you think? Have you got the bug now that once you do this one, you might actually start looking at picking up a 914 or picking up a, trying to find a, if you can yeah. find one, a barn find sure. 911? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd definitely be interested in that. You know, it's, uh, you know, once I get done with this and everything like that, like I said, I found it just found that 73 914. And I, you know, if I, if I wasn't working on a project, I'd definitely grab it. Or, you know, uh, you know, when I had my Mach 1 still, I actually thought about buying a lift and putting my Mach 1 on that and then working on my, you know, the 914 or the 356. But, I didn't, you know, I decided to sell it and let someone else enjoy it and just focus on one thing. So, so you're going to experience a bit of a power, uh, a power degrade from the Mark <laughs> one to the three, five, six, right? So definitely, that's, definitely. that's not, that can't be your standard, Todd. It can't be no, your standard. It's, it's not, it's not, <laughs> but you know what? I, uh, I look forward to it and, you know, and maybe I'll do, you know, what I, what I'm going to encourage you to do. Uh, you know, I, you know, I'm listening to you and Steve talk all the time and just the last, uh, a podcast that you two did, he, he raised a great question. He said, you know, what's, you know, do you go out and spend the money and get a GT three or do you keep your car now and then get a second one, get the nine twelve yeah, in the no. second car? It's a, it's a tricky, it's a very difficult question. That one. It's a very you know difficult what? question. And, and, and I'll say this, you know, and it, it's like, I'm, I'm talking to the, my radio as I'm listening to you in my car. <laughs> I know, he, I know you can't hear me, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you buy the nine twelve, do both because I think you would be a great person to be an owner of a nine twelve a nostalgic car, an antique car, because you would appreciate it and you'd be a good tear, you know, caretaker for these cars, you know, and, you know, that's kind of how I feel that we are. We're caretakers, you know, and we're going to take care of this for some time and we'll pass it on someday to somebody else that would uh, appreciate it. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And I mean, I've got lots of people in my ear at the moment, like, you know, telling me to get one quickly and stop wasting my time. Uh, Ajmal in the UK, <laughs> for one. Um, I mean, he's he makes quicker decisions than what I do, of course. He made that decision yeah, very no quickly kidding. on his. Yeah. Uh, and then there's another guy in the UK, Nick, who's got a white 912 that he bought out of the States, um, okay. who I think is going to come on the podcast eventually. Right. Um, so there's there's plenty of people out there, and I get messages from people as well, and people are sending me 912s now. I, I had a guy that sent me two 912s from somewhere in the US. Um, they weren't cheap, though. They were about sixty. They were about 65,000 US um, tons. Wow. So I think yeah, it was almost lot. the price of the one. There's one at European Collectibles at the moment. European collectibles have got a sand beige one, one of my favorite yeah. colors, and that's sixty eight okay. and a half thousand, sixty eight and a half thousand US, which okay. is a little bit, little bit high, but yeah. the prices are the prices are going up. That's for sure. There, there is a. Uh, I just saw uh, yesterday, two days ago, uh, a two thousand four. So it's a nine nine seven GT three in yellow for sale. Oh, okay. Uh, for 114,000 US, so that's what about 150 Aussie dollars. That's cheap, I think. Yeah, I, I thought of you right away. I'm that's like, cheap. I'm, I thought of you right away. I wish they existed in Australia, I wish they existed in general. That's that's a good price, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. um, what else? What else? You know, I think the listeners are going to like this because honestly, I, I like the fact that you've you know, this is your first Porsche. 
Um, whereas it's not like you haven't wanted one. And I like how you've, you've, right. you've gone out there and you've, and you've found a great one. You know what I mean? And like right. you said, these, these fines, you know, they're there, but you, you just need the people to, to contact you to, to, to tell you about these cars. But, right. And I mean, I don't know what your total budget is, but I mean, whatever you put into that car, um, it's going to be worth it in the end. Right. So it's not Definitely. like you're, you're not going to lose money on that car. That's for sure. No. Um, no. And finding one which looks in, I mean, I see some of these ones that come up for sale, the, the rusted oh, old right. ones, and they're, they're a mess. And even looking I, at I, yours, it's in such great condition for, for what it is. I, I, I've seen some lately that have been, you know, people are, someone was just bragging, and, and I don't mean it, you know, to be disrespectful, but we're bragging about this 356 that they just found. Yeah. And it's, I, I couldn't believe it was like Swiss cheese on how bad it was. It had no interior, it had no mm. windows. It just, I mean, completely rusted through so bad. And these people are paying, you know, 18, you know, 20, $25,000 or more for these cars that I don't know how anybody could ever, you know, go no. through the work and, and, and restore these cars. You know, they're, they're much better the person than I am. Uh, but they're they're not cheap. They're not cheap. No, know? they're not cheap. And I think you, you found a good example. I mean, it seems like you have, yeah. you know, you have that guy close to your to, to your area. You have the other engine guy. You have your friend. So you have, you know, as I call it, the guys around. You have people to help you, which is fantastic. Right. So and right. your and obviously your school your school set as well because you've been working on cars since a kid. Um, you know what to do. So that that's a big challenge for, for people like me that don't really work on a car that, you know, right. you'd have to go and get someone else to do it. Um, even right. though they say nine twelves are easy to work on if you want to work on it yourself. Right. And I know Arjmal's right. doing that, but, um, I think that's half the battle that you do have that confidence and you do know that you can work on it, Todd, and you can actually make it, you know, how it should yeah. make it right. Right. So I think that's, it's, good. uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember all the exact things that were said. It's, uh, uh, I think it was Magnus Walker said, you know, Porsches, it's, it's my religion. It's my passion. It's my drug of choice. Uh, and it's, it, it truly is. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, I've always been in an American muscle cars and stuff like that. Now that I'm with, involved with the Porsches and I, you know, I actually own one and I've joined the, the uh, Porsche club of America, the Chicago chapter, and I've gone to meetups and I've met people there. Um, the friendship that I've, I've been able to make with guys there, you know, uh, you know, contact with, you know, individuals like you and James and other guys I've, I talked to that are over in London and everything like that. And it's, uh, it is really a neat brotherhood. I'll say it and it, sisterhood there, you know, yeah, uh, no, it really but is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's neat. It's, 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 I'm extremely happy to be part of and, and look forward to April or May getting this thing on the road and, did you find uh, the same sort of community? I just want to touch on this briefly. Did you find the same sort of community with the muscle car community, with the American car community you're in, or is it slightly different with Porsche? Um, I it it's there, it's there. Um, I just I think that I think people in the Porsche are more passionate about it. Right. Um, uh, but it's I mean there is a lot of you know I go to. You know, we go to, I go to cars and coffee just about every weekend. I try to go to one. I get up early in the morning, I go to it and I'm back home before anybody else is starting to get out of bed or anything like that. But, um, so I go to those things and, uh, it's, you know, with the muscle, you know, you can walk around, you can talk and you can say, Oh, you can look at things and everything like that. But it's, it's funny with the Porsche community. It's, it seems like I, it was, uh, it was very embracing. Yeah, it, it really is a great community and, you know, 
and I've said this before, but doing this podcast, I've met so many people now and I get so many people contacting me. And like I said, talking to you and talking to other owners, it's just, it's just a great thing to do. And in some ways, I actually, you know, YouTube is a good medium. There's a good thing to make videos about your car. And I did that when I first bought my 997. Um, I don't make them now because I'm not really with my car. So it's a bit difficult, but the podcast is really great. Just, I mean, it's great catching up with Steve because he's a mate and, you know, I don't see him because nice. I'm, I'm not back in Australia. And also, you know, owners like you, you know, people who are passionate about the brand, who have come into the brand, who have been into the brand for a long time. It's just, like you said, it's a really, it's hard to explain someone who's not in the community. It's just a great community. And people right. in general, everyone is, you know, everyone's nice and everyone's generous and um, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's enjoyable. It, yeah. it really is enjoyable, and I look forward to it and stuff, and and getting it out. And you know, like I said, getting it out once I'm done. And it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, you know, it's one of the things. Obviously, my car doesn't have a radio. This, yep. you know, this, and and I'm happy with that. When I had my Mach One, uh, I had a radio, and I I never turned the thing on. You know, I just you know put the windows down. I'm I'm all about you know you know. One of the things I think you were at, you had asked Mark, you know, well, what's the difference between, you know, and how do you feel about, especially with his age, because I know he's younger, uh, but, you know, having an air-cooled car versus a water-cooled car yes. and with the big differences in between the two of them. And, you know, with, with the air-cooled and especially, you know, with the vintage cars, you're more of a driver, I feel. Um, you know, it's, I mean, in your, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit more work. You know, you don't, you know, the steering, you know, you know, I have power steering, you know, yep. and I have power brakes. You, yep. you, you, you know, you got the windows down. You have to crank the windows down by hand. Uh, you smell the gasoline. You hear the exhaust um, and, you know, and the oil and everything. So I like that. You know, I like that. And, you know, it seems like in the newer cars and, you know, trust me, you know, I'd love to have, you know, a newer, you know, 997 is you know that was what i was looking at and i've you know i've driven a 991 gt3 i love it but it it seems like the car's taking me for a ride yeah, yeah. when when i'm in a newer car as opposed to an older car if yeah. that makes sense no I, I agree and that's that's why that's the reason why i want to get a 912 and i keep saying it's experience more than the power and it's about that experience yeah. and it's about you know going back to that that era in a way the only way you possibly can in, in a vintage car in a classic car yeah and the power thing doesn't scare me. I, I you know, I, I think it really is about the experience. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, the experience is even better when you're actually restoring a car like you're doing, um, Todd, and you're actually, you know, fixing it up. I think that's, I mean, it's going to be a great feeling at the end. Um, you need to really keep keep putting those photos on your Instagram. And, I'm, and I yeah. really want everyone who's listening today to go to um, Todd's Instagram and follow him because he's always, Thanks. he's quite regularly posting uh, images yeah. of his project, of his 356 have- project. And I have more pictures I just haven't posted, but I should just go ahead and just start posting more of them. It's, uh, you know, uh, you know, J- and again, James at Auto Amateur, he kept trying to give me, he said to me, he goes, you should do a YouTube channel and do a YouTube channel. And I, I, I haven't done it. And I don't know. I just. Uh, well, y- you could, you know, you could just. Yeah. Even if you just set the camera up and you just. Right. You know, you're just working on the car and even if you, you know, it's not that hard to do time lapse even, but even if you did that, I think people would be really interested. People like to see the transformation and right. and there is an interest. I know that uh, Mark said, you know, he's the youngest person. He made me laugh when he said that he's the youngest person <laughs> and he's in Melbourne that, that owns a 356. Right. And, you know, right. but I think there, there is an interest. 
the interest in 356 is definitely gr- growing very quickly, isn't it? It was there. It's sort of peaked again, and the prices are very high. Obviously, everyone likes a Speedster, and everyone wants a Speedster, and you right. know, people right. like Spike and that, talking about right. it, and Zuckerman on that podcast. I mean, you know, people yeah. are starting to think about it. Um, but I think, you know, a video, but I think the Instagram for you, Instagram Todd is a great thing. Just keep posting those photos. I know that people who are listening to this now will actually follow you and, and, and keep a track of it because it is, it is an interesting project. Uh, you know, at first I thought, have you got your hands full? But now after speaking with you, it seems like you've got everything under control. It seems like you, you know, you know what you're doing. You found good people to help you as well, which is yeah. half the battle. That is so I think it's fantastic. Now, yeah. I really like Chicago. I've, I only went there once, and I went there in 2018. Uh, oh, okay. That's yeah, 20, 2018 or 2017. 2018 right. or 2017, went there for work, um, for my normal job. Okay. Um, and I really like it. So if someone's coming to Chicago, I always like to ask this question because it's about driving <laughs> and it's about our passion. And I know you've with your Mark 1. Yeah. Where, is the, where would someone go in the area or in the US that you've been on a, a road you've been on or a road you want to drive on to take their 911, to take their 356 or to take their Mac one, where would, where would they go? You know, it, you know, I, and I knew you were going to ask me this question, you know, obviously, <laughs> cause I listen to all of them and I, and I've been going through my head, you know, okay, what are the questions? What, what's he going to ask me? What are we going to address and stuff like that? Um, you know, uh, I, I'll start, I'm going to, I'm going to expand it to the United States. All right. Obviously, in the United States, you always hear people, you know, talk about either the tail of the dragon out on the East Coast, or you hear out in California, you've got the Pacific Coast Highway or Mulholland Drive or, you know, uh, Angeles Crest or something yep. you know, like, like some called something like that. Those are, you know, those are great drives. And I've been, I haven't done the tail of the dragon, but I've been out, you know, in California on some of the roads there. Uh, they're amazing. Um, I, where I live at, in the middle of the country, you know, it's, we, they call it the Midwest. Um, it's, it's fairly flat. Uh, so it's not a lot of elevation change, but, uh, you know, if you go somewhere, uh, you know, um, like up North of Chicago, out of our state into Wisconsin, it's probably pretty much about halfway between where I live and where James lives. Okay. Uh, you know, and you'll see on his shows where they do a lot of drives over into Wisconsin and stuff. And you'll see that they do a lot of drives along a river. That's the Mississippi River. It runs yes. north and south through the country. Um, my biggest suggestion to people, if you're trying to find a good road to drive on, find a river and check out the roads, the local roads that run along the river. Because they're usually fun, twisty, winding roads. And that's usually what I find. There's a couple roads that are local here. Uh, in my area that run along the Illinois River, uh, over along the Mississippi River, a couple hours away. And that's usually what I do. Fantastic. So you yeah. have that you have that road trip plan then? You have that road trip plan for late summer to take the 356 for a bit of a longer journey? I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, Sounds that's good. the plan. That's Sounds the plan. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's fantastic, Todd. I really, uh, thanks for coming on today. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, well, thanks for having I, me. I was really interested to hear your story because, like I said, I've, I've been following you for a while and, you know, we have spoken uh, briefly and I know you offered to get that book for me that time and I, when I needed an address in the U.S. and um, Sure. So all those things. So I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. But thanks so much, Todd. It was really great talking to you. You're welcome. Nice talking to you, Michael. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's, um, that's Owner Stories for this week. Uh, this was Owner Stories. Um, like I said, I am... And Todd probably doesn't know this, but I am actually recording these in advance slightly. But this is number 14. So 
That's Todd from Chicago, his 356 project. Like I said, go and follow uh, Todd on Instagram, stone underscore city underscore outlaw, um, or just type in stone city outlaw, it comes up straight away. Follow him on Instagram, watch his progress, um, and have a look at his 356 because it's, it's going to be pretty special when it's finished. Okay, that's it for Una Stories today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and bye for now.